Welcome to Mulks TV Talk, the podcast where we take a loving, longing look at TV and tell you this week, the CEO of Network 10, Hamish McLennan, has announced he's stepping down from both the chairman and CEO roles he's been holding down for the past couple of years, making him the fourth CEO in the last six years for the troubled but improving network. Former COO Paul Anderson has been elevated to the CEO role, while board member David Gordon has been announced as the new chairman. 10, the home of reality hits MasterChef Australia, I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here, and The Bachelor Australia, has spotted the opportunity and announced a reality show to find the new COO. Since the dawn of time, man has searched far and wide for the best things on TV. What to watch. How to watch. Who's watching what. Free to wear this. VPN that. Plug in and listen to what other people think about what you are and are not watching. It's Mulks TV Talk, the podcast, with your host, Steve Mulk. Joining me this week, formerly of The Hollywood Reporter, now TV editor and critic at Collider, what this lady doesn't know about American TV isn't worth worrying about. She's a lover of both kinds of football. Yes, America acknowledges more than one football. And, as it turns out, has written for Mental Floss, which explains a whole lot more about this week's guest. It's Australian TV royalty, Alison Keane. Hello. Hello, Alison. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's a, a delight. Now, we stumbled I stumbled across you on uh, social media and have been enjoying your writing and your views on television and those sorts of things for it would be at least the last couple of years now. So thank you very much for taking the time to talk to this little old nerd. Oh, for sure. Well, of course, as you know, we agree on a lot of TV. So that's yes. always a pleasure for me. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the contrarianist podcast ever. <laughs> Nothing but rainbows and sunshine from here on out. <laughs> that's exactly right. Alison, <laughs> what does it mean to be the TV editor for Collider? Um, gosh, it really just legitimizes my role as the critic <laughs> that I've been for a long time. Um, basically, it means that I am no longer just a freelancer, but I'm mm-hmm. full time with them, which has been really great. So for the last, I don't know, six months or so, we've been really trying to build up the TV side of the site and expand our coverage and make sure that we're reviewing a lot more things and mm-hmm. just covering a lot more news and, and that sort of thing. Now, you have excellent form and a great pedigree. I mean, writing for The Hollywood Reporter is no slouch. I mean, you wrote some great stuff for them. Thank you. Um, yeah, that was, I was on the reality TV beat. <laughs> yes. Um, which is really not my forte <laughs> because it is not necessarily what I enjoy watching in my free time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just, you know, really happy to be able to work for them. And um, I'm just so happy, though, now when I'm looking through the schedules coming up and everything, all the shows that I no longer have to review and care about. <laughs> there so is a ton many. of them, isn't there? So many. And, you know, summer, not that long ago, used to be a really quiet time. You know, a lot of reruns, a lot of, you know, well, reality shows and competition series. But now it's there's there's no break. I mean, there mm. are all these new shows launching in the summer and they're all great. Like, it's not just the, the time when the networks are just pawning off kind of their suspect series, like some really great stuff. <laughs> Yes. Well, look, and uh, what may have been, uh, you know, sort of fall or, or premiere television quickly becomes summer TV in Australia, let me tell you, or buried for 12 to 18 months. <laughs> it, it's quite the lag sometimes, depending on how good it may or poorly it may have done over here in the US. I was uh, wondering about that. Yeah, like what sort of what the time frame is and, you know, 
sort of how much of our TV that y'all get or, you know. Oh, look, Alison, it's it's a it's a really broad situation. If you've got a couple of hours, no, it's up the, the two-minute <laughs> snapshot. We in Australia make a bunch of TV ourselves. We also have great connections uh, with a number of studios in the UK and, of course, here in the US and Europe as well because we're uh, a broadly multicultural, proudly multicultural country. We've got a lot of different networks that provide the opportunity to see a lot of European native language shows come to Australia as well. So we got um, the original season of The Bridge and those sorts of things. Oh, okay. Um, you get the in, best of all worlds. This I is know. like the ideal situation. Well. <laughs> like filtering all of the best stuff, it sounds like. I mean, hopefully. I don't know. But Hold on there, Tex. That's, that's the <laughs> utopian part of what we do. What we then have is our – uh, I guess what you guys would call your your network TV. We've got three commercial free to air uh, stations like your CBS and, and NBC and stuff. Right. They had previously had uh, output deal relationships where one network in Australia basically signed Hollis Bolus with one network in the US. Oh, so okay. anything that they got, they got to pick and choose from. And of course, they would pull the big things. You know, your Desperate Housewives in their times and the Losts and the Seinfelds and all of those sorts of things. And reasonably speaking, we got them in eh, close-ish kind of time. All of this pre-internet, we kind of didn't know or could tell, right? But we just got the big new thing. Because our summers are um, opposite to each other, we're in the full swing of ratings back at home where it all really counts and and things are important. Whereas I know if you guys summer ratings break, that's where you drop in the stuff that might be iffy or we're not too sure and that sort of thing. So our summer is yet to come where we will get just dross. (laughs) It's horrible. (laughs) Uh, But the things that come from the US, uh, as an example, quite often came with a caveat that if the network in Australia hadn't started airing it and the US network cancelled it before the end of the season or prematurely or at the end of the season, then there wasn't the pressure to have to air it and or they didn't even have to pay to show it. They could have just gone, right, we're safe, we don't have to pay the money for that. Or what we're seeing nowadays is they're grabbing – uh, it's less about the output deals with studios being locked in and networks. They're just sort of going, oh, I'm going to cherry pick this or I'm going to pay you more to get that because we see the potential. So there's no longer that direct alignment, though it does still fit that as a generalization. However, it is super rare that we get things on free-to-air television in Australia fast-tracked. So same day that it airs in the States. And this is becoming common in our subscription or a pay TV environment. Things like The Walking Dead, True Detective. Right. Um, a couple of hours after it airs, West Coast US, we get it uh, in an afternoon airing. So Sunday nights becomes Monday afternoon for us. Oh, okay. Oh, because well, we you're in the then. future, so of course. We are in the future. <laughs> Although I feel a bit like Marty McFly. I've gone back in time just to come over here. We appreciate um, it. I'm looking forward to going home and getting my hoverboard. Of course, right, naturally. So so all of that's taking place, but then the networks can sit on their hands when it comes to some shows. And, in fact, one of the the heads of one of the free-to-air networks said, we're not going to fast-track. We don't believe it works. So thus rose this huge uh, kind of culture of torrenting content, downloading content in air quotes illegally. Uh, And we still proudly as a nation wear the badge of the – the most downloaded, illegally downloaded stuff of Game of Thrones and, and all of those <laughs> sorts of things. Because, hey, we're a convict nation and we love that. Well, you know, I can relate because I'm from the state of Georgia and we began as a debtor's colony. So <laughs> we ha- we share a lot in common with <laughs> the Australian mindset. 
in that way. Yeah, but you're on the East Coast, so you at least get the first run of pretty much everything. It's just going to be dodgy late at night sometimes. That's true. Yeah, it's no. I mean, yeah, we're we definitely. Um, I, it's like I don't even think about it because we we do get the first run of everything. There's never a lag for anything. The only thing is, I just happen to love a lot of British television, so. The lag there is that we have to wait, you know, six months or a year or whatever until it comes on PBS or BBC yes. America or something like that. But um, I think that's the only thing that we beat you guys to see, <laughs> and that's Downton Abbey. Uh, I know that it's about to start in the UK shortly, uh, and it will be finished by Christmas. And this is the final season, so it's all a bit what's going to happen. And ooh, uh, in Australia, it won't start until March next year. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's I don't horrible. think ours will either. It's definitely, yeah. and that's why that actually has been a thing that they've talked about because um, PBS, our public broadcasting here, gets so many things from Britain that um, they've considered, mm-hmm. like, you know, because of spoilers and things like that. And everyone's on Twitter yep. from all over the world. So it's, you know, this free form conversation all the time. And there's been this discussion, like, you know, is it possible to close that gap? And I think they did that actually with BBC America and airing Doctor Who. I want to yep. say they. If not, if they didn't do simulcasting, they did something very close. It was just within a few hours that they that they broadcast oh, cool. Doctor Who. So it's changing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the world's shrinking. It is. It's a good well, we thing. saw that with Game of Thrones this year, right? HBO simulcast it into all of the territories. Yes, that was so, big. That was really oh, it's huge. I, I have a, a I have a friend. That's all. <laughs> no, no, I have a friend who lives in uh, in Virginia. And he's a mad keen Game of Thrones fan. So I was able to uh, basically take an early lunch on Monday and watch Game of Thrones at the same time he's watching it Sunday evening. Oh, that's so in crazy. Virginia. Oh, and so good from a conversational point Absolutely, of view. Absolutely, yeah. To have that, what are they doing now? Why is she this? What the heck is happening with that? <laughs> so good. So good. Um, yes, welcome to our ability to be able to actually talk about shows as they're happening. Although I will say that this morning I was looking at my DVR and it is, <laughs> it's like, I, it's, there's just nothing. So like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I was like, gosh, you know, I'm just I'm caught up with everything. There's nothing else to watch. Yep. And then this morning I got on, I was like, oh my God, there are like 12 shows I need to catch up on from last night. It's just that Sunday glut now is mm. so intense. Yeah, well, you should try like going to a whole other country where, in some instances, they're ahead by at least a week, if not more. And you go, oh, do I try and catch up on the missing episodes and then watch them live, or do I <laughs> just wait until I get home and have seventy million shows to watch? Oh, it's my head. I know. I'm already watching like fourteen hours of television at least just to like review a week, so I can't even imagine <laughs> to keep up with all of that. And remember, much. kids, we're professionals. Exactly. That's such a it's such a terrible whiny thing right like oh there's just so much tv to watch like oh my god how am i going to keep up with all this television i get paid to see yeah well look, these episodes of sunday best aren't going to watch themselves <laughs> we get paid to watch this so that you don't have to that's what that's exactly it and and that surprised me i think just if we drop into the reality television thing before we get too sure. deep into the stuff you love uh australia has let's say embraced the reality demon far too much. Um, we are the people who res- are responsible for reinvigorating the MasterChef brand. Uh, we turned it on its head and now everybody does it the same way that we do it. Right. And there's even an annual MasterChef conference. Really? Where, yeah, all of the studios uh, or the, you know, the show makers from around the world come together and share ideas uh, around, well, we did this challenge and it worked really well and, and wow. we found that this was time-consuming and everyone does their presentations and all that sorts of things. Same thing happens for Big Brother, did you know? No, I had no idea. 
It's like a yeah, secret society of reality TV producers. They're controlling know. us it's all. Crazy. Golly. So they're sharing all this information and doing that. So we also took the uh, the Strictly Come Dancing UK format and created Dancing with the Stars and uh, made that all fun and funky and uh, irrelevant. Uh, and we've – so it, it, there's just so much. For example, this week, Alison, in Australia, we've just had the seventh season of MasterChef Australia finish uh, last night, podcast time, let's call it that. Right. Uh, so Monday night and congratulations to Billy for winning that. Georgia missed out. That's going to mean nothing to you, Alison, but two ladies in the final, <laughs> unprecedented. Uh, we've got The Voice Season 3 going full tilt. We've got – and if you were wondering where the Madden brothers are, Alison, they're in Australia right now. Oh, good. I was worried. I wasn't sure. Yeah. They're, they've got a double chair <laughs> that swings around for them. But the thing is, like, MasterChef, fine. Like, I have no problem. Like, MasterChef, that's sure. absolutely – that, that's a good – like, it's a fine show. Like, I will watch that show and enjoy it if it's not a big deal. It's For me, it's the – the talking heads of the reality shows that like supposedly follow people's personal lives, but they're people you wouldn't care about. You would not cross the road to save, you know, like these are not people you should want to know about or care about. And it's the, it's that those franchises that I really am just so tired of the fake drama, the fake everything. Um, but yeah, MasterChef I'm okay with the voice. I mean, how many, I'm, I'm just sick and tired of seeing competitions in general, but some of those yeah. are not, as bad as I think some of the ones that we have here, which um, are all based on international productions. I don't know that any of them are, are original to the United States. When I was covering it, it's always like, you know, the original Swedish production of this and the original Australian <laughs> production of that. So, you know. yes. But we have not embraced Japanese game shows yet, and that does make me sad. I, I, that, oh. that needs to be the next wave, I think. Way more Takeshi's Castle. <laughs> That's what has to happen right there. Uh, the, the, the downside is that we ha- while we do have some good reality television, and I know that some people think that all reality is bad, people chill out. Right. There is some good stuff there. Uh, we've also got some stuff that can be a bit questionable. I agree. Now, so we've got MasterChef just finished. We've got um, The Voice is, is running. Starting podcast time tonight, so by the time people hear this, they'll have seen the first episodes, two new cooking shows. One, on competing networks, one's called the Hot Plate, and one is called Restaurant Revolution. Where I'm sure you can understand the premise. Right. People compete, they cook food, and result is somebody wins the chance to run their own restaurant. Congratulations! Sure, big deal. It all happens. <laughs> so derivative, it's not funny, but we'll play on. Uh, on Wednesday night podcast time, The Bachelor Australia kicks off the third season of that. Ah. Uh, and I know that The Bachelor is a bit of a um, an epic here in America, in Australia, we decided, screw you guys, we're going to catch up in a real hurry when last year, the gentleman that won, uh, sorry, the gentleman that won, the, 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 the bachelor proposed to his final choice lady and she accepted. So that all went to air and there was this great scurry, of course, by the media in Australia to try and, and we want to talk to the bachelor and his new fiance and, oh, it's so wonderful and everything's amazing. Uh, it turns out that not long after that was filmed and shot, it was uh, they broke up. He said, "I don't actually love her. I actually love the girl that came second. That happened in the United States too. I remember that was one of the. The Bachelor is one of this. That is my guilty pleasure show. Sure, I do watch that one. So it, I am on no but high horse, people. I am. Yeah. I am with you on this. Okay, I am among you. But we're catching Bye. up, right? That's all I'm saying is that you know it, whatever your Bachelor can do, we can round all of that into one season. Because of course, as all of the the, the scuttlebutt went round about what's happened, why can't we talk to them? There was talk of you know maybe the Bachelor knocked a woman up. Um, <laughs> that maybe 
a couple of the ladies got together and that upset the whole apple cart of things. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, the good news is for Bachelor fans in Australia, because we've hit our third season of The Bachelor, coming later this year, the very first Bachelorette. And so Australian men get to debase themselves as much as Australian women can. I do I do appreciate the uh, the fact that, you know, right, you get the equality there. But the best thing that hasn't happened yet that mm-hmm. y'all will eventually get is Bachelor Pad or one oh, of those. <laughs> or now what do you have? we have Bachelor in Paradise and they take all the cast offs and put them together on an island or somewhere. And then they contrive these, you know, ways that they have to hook up or have to like get together. And it is truly the, just the, the worst dregs of oh my societal horror. And it's it fantastic. sounds like, it sounds like, <laughs> look, I agree. I, I claim that the bachelor is, is the best, worst television show on, on you know, ever happens you know it's the greatest car accident you cannot turn away from <laughs> oh you just uh, it's wait so great. you haven't even seen because at least the bachelor and the bachelorette like they the producers sort of like pretend that there's true love here and they kind of like you know in the last few episodes they'll really play up the romance and the you know will they won't they and it's mm. this whole thing they don't even bother with that for bachelor <laughs> they're just like whatever Notches on the bedpost. Yeah, it's 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 like the just don't even give a fuck version of the Bachelor, <laughs> and that's why I love it because no one's even trying. Like it's just hilarious. They have like the interns show up on screen, like they just they'll have it's it's just bananas. I love it. So you'll once you guys have like one or two cycles wow. of the Bachelorette, then you'll get some kind of probably spinoff Bachelor Pad, Bachelor in Paradise, or whatever. And yeah, it'll be great. Bachelor I, in the I, Bush. I, <laughs> 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 yeah, in more than one way. In more than um, one way. I, I honestly, I, I think it's going to be amazing. If for no other reason, then I think that scientists will be able to sample the spa water and find cures to every known venereal disease because exactly. it will be in the water. It should be just The Bachelor for science, you know? That's, <laughs> it's for the good the, the other thing that's happening to us in Australia, Alison, is that uh, for the first time ever, we're getting a primetime spelling bee show. Oh, congratulations. The Great Australian Spelling Bee kicks off on Monday and Tuesday night next week. And it's all young kids and uh, a host who is barely taller than them. Uh, and, <laughs> and they're another host. parents that are like trying to like push them oh, to greatness and these poor kids. The promos just- that are showing the parents just shoving these kids into stuff is incredible. <laughs> These poor kids, though. I always just I feel so bad for them, especially the ones that get really worked up about it. You know. Yeah. It's, it's a bit. <laughs> I want tears. That's what this is about, right? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hang any crap on these kids. I just want to see one of them spontaneously combust. Oh, that's out of either shame or fear or I spelled the word wrong. Or there's a kid. One of the promos they've been showing is a kid uh, who uh, has uh, Indian parents, um, and he. He likes to rap okay. is his thing. And he likes to rap his favorite words like dodecahedron and those kinds of things. Right. And uh, his dad's there sort of bouncing along, nodding with him. Um, but actually legitimately, you know, yeah, son, you can rap. And he can't rap. No, <laughs> no rapper ever used the word dodecahedron ever. <laughs> this is a new kind of rap that's, you know. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a new kind of rap. It's not from the streets. It's from, you know. The books, I guess. <laughs> it's from the, the study books, room. I guess. Study hall. I something. Something to this, I think. Yeah, look, there's certainly something going on. So based on this, what, I mean, 
this Sunday Best thing that I mentioned before, this was a reality show that America has that we don't have that I'd never heard of before. This is church singers competing to what? Get closer to God? Oh, my. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. Well, you know, in here we have these a lot of shows that are um, focused on, like, funeral homes and stuff, too, and we're also really oh. into, like, preacher drama, and I think there's mm. something about, like, preacher's wives. I think that was one for a while. Oh, so this this is just the natural course of that coming together with the singing competition. So there you go. You know, it's just, it's going to have every permutation of these reality shows is going to happen at some point. So, so see, not only for science, but also for math, we're having, (laughs) we're finding out all these different ways for reality programming to help us. But it's, I don't know. I, I, like I said, it's like, I I look at the schedule and I just think, thank God I don't have to review these shows. I just, I don't even know what to say about them anymore. Like they're just, like you said, they're derivative and they're boring. A lot of times Um, there's actually one that surprised me that I really liked last year. So of course it got canceled. Um, I don't know if y'all got it, but it's called the quest. It was like that Lord of the Rings sort of game of Thrones medieval. Like it was a really interesting concept where they had them actually like become part of this world and have to like, engage in a narrative as well as competing. I saw an episode of this when I was over here and it was transfixed. There was like someone pretending to be an elf and all sorts of things. It was actually, it was a little hokey at first, but then you kind of got into it and like the story actually made sense. Like they sort of had actors alongside the competitors. Mm. It was really cool. And so of course nobody watched it and they got canceled. That was the last time that a reality show actually sort of surprised me. That's because the mage on the show actually cast a spell and uh, made it thoroughly disinteresting to anybody except for those that were true fans. It's true. Sad but So true. before we get into all this, you have to explain. I'm holding you personally responsible, Alison. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> the real Housewives franchise. No. What the hell is that? No. I just, I don't know. I, there's, no, there's nothing real about these women and they're certainly not Housewives. <laughs> no, that was what this was so interesting to me is like, they're all divorced or something. Like, so there's mm. none of them, none of them do any work at the house. That's for damn sure. Ew, like, they all yes. hire people and all those, but they're not, it, the whole thing. I mean, none of it makes any sense to me, but that's what I really like about um, not to jump into scripted, but there's a show on lifetime of all networks mm. called unreal. Oh, and so good. Excellent transition. We've talked about it in the past. And mm. it's what's so great about it is that if you are, not even a fan, but just a casual viewer of these reality shows. Um, or a complete cynic. Or a cynic, because the show is so dark. So and nice. it takes, for those who don't know, it's sort of a, it's a fictional behind-the-scenes look at a show that's basically The Bachelor. I would, yeah. They call it Everlasting, I think, on the So on sweet. Um, and the show has really been a surprise because you don't think of Lifetime as producing appointment television. And they really have with this. And it takes all of the – I think it's actually written by former producers, um, former oh, reality show producers. So they really have an inside, you know, look at how this goes. And, I mean, of course it takes it to an extreme and you have all this crazy drama. But as far as the way that the producers manipulate the contestants and all of that, I absolutely know and believe that that's true. And it just, mm. it's, it's actually, I've, I've actually stopped watching. The Bachelorette is airing um, in the United States now. I have stopped watching The Bachelorette because I've been watching Unreal because I feel bad for watching The Bachelorette. I'm perpetuating this horror. And someone on Twitter was yes. like, watching, because Unreal airs right after The Bachelorette. It's like, you know, watching these shows in that order is like eating a really juicy steak and then watching a pita ad. 
Like you don't feel good about anything that's just happened. Yeah, no, nothing. It is delightful. People in Australia, uh, it is available on uh, one of the streamers there called Stan. Uh, it is it is totally worth your 10 bucks a month. Sign up, catch up. Uh, there are eight episodes done. We've got two more to go this season. Already, uh, Lifetime have called for the second season, haven't they, Alison? I believe so, and it's a very easy show to binge watch too. It's, it's oh. just, you can catch up so quickly. It's yeah, and it's pacey. Mm-hmm. Nothing necessarily drags, and the hooks—they've written them brilliantly. That last two and a half minutes of every episode will totally pay off for what you've just seen and what you know, kind of indicate what is to come. Uh, last week's episode just unbuckled everything that you thought it was heading in direction A. Mm-hmm. Direction B is on the table now, people, and it's going to get messy. <laughs> It's like it's a, it's crazy how invested I am in the show within the show too. It's mm. like it's it's supplanted my Bachelor watching because yeah, right. now I'm invested in Everlasting. I'm like, who's he gonna pick? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I want this chick to win, and I'm like, I don't even know what winning means in this context. But like, oh. you know, I don't know. Well, it's particularly really with good. the conversations, right? The back door, closed door conversations about who's what the thing and there's something something and the women that remain after some people left because an incident happened and exactly it's the thing that I think probably steps it out of the most real for me and this is being super picky but I deal with it in uh, in Australia when we get our bachelor bachelorette sort of stuff it is long in the can by the time it airs. Exactly, yeah. But- Whereas this is relying on almost a week to week. We've got to film this now and how did the show go last night? Oh, wow, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's the one big thing that, that feels off. I mean, it makes a lot of sense for the show because it adds a lot sure. of drama. But, yeah, as far as it mirroring actual reality production, that's – now, on some shows that might be a little more true, but for The Bachelor, yeah, they have definitely concluded the season by the time that it airs. Um yeah. So, but I, yeah, it's it's been the surprise of the season. Except there's one other show that I say would even be a bigger surprise if I can jump in to that. Please. And it's been Mr. Robot on USA. Keep talking. Yep. It now USA, typically a channel that has very sort of blue sky, breezy programming, um, and then they they intercut that every once in a while with a show about like this brilliant rogue addict. Like, it's like, it's like you'll have all these sort of like, you know, rich, good looking people doing things and there'll be one kind of Mm. gritty drama. None of them are ever, you know, excellent, but they're diverting TV. Like they're, they're fine. But Mr. Robot is in a different category altogether. It is fantastic. And I have just every single week. Now this is appointment television every week. It's like, I cannot wait for the next episode. It's the first thing that I watch, you know, when I'm catching up for the week and Mm. I, I mean, I don't know. It's the the lead actor Rami Malik is incredible. He plays a hacker um, who works for a corporate security firm, but he's also sort of being courted by this uh, hacktivist. So they're called group called F Society, led by Christian Slater. And I, I don't know. I mean, just the way that it's filmed, the way that uh, the narrative goes, and all this, it's it feels like something that would be on like FX. Or mm. even, you know, one of the premium channels here, like Showtime or something like that. Like, it's just, it really, it's just, I don't, it's great. It's fantastic. It's probably the best, best new show of summer, bar none. I've just been blown away by it. But you, you've you been watching I've, it too, right? Well, I've, I've seen a trailer. Oh, okay. okay. This is the bad news, right? I've seen a trailer <laughs> of it, and I think it's Mr. Robot, where uh, the protagonist is in a coffee shop tapping away on his computer, and he kind of sits down, or, or a guy sits down in front of him, 
and he basically challenges him about the fact that he looks at some pretty appalling stuff on the internet. Yes, so he sort um, of has his own um, moral code where he yes. will sort of take people down um, for doing things they shouldn't be doing. It's great. Yeah, he basically it's threatens him. So that's the trailer that I saw. The, the horrible news for Australians is that uh, from a broadcast point of view, nobody – has indicated this is coming in. Oh, no. I know. So <laughs> consequently, lots of people rushing off to torrent sites, downloading, doing all of that sort of stuff. Right. Because that's not my bag, I resist. Uh, I rely on screeners, previews, or when it actually goes to air because it's Australian TV that I talk about or at least what's airs on it. However, I'm in the States. I've got two and a bit days left. <laughs> I reckon I could knock over what I haven't seen before I go. You need to get on demand on whatever cable you're on. <laughs> I'm trying to think how many episodes of aired. Maybe five or six. It's not heaps. But this is, in fact, a a really interesting play in in how it plays out for Australia because uh, a guy who writes for for Televised Revolution, a guy called Dan Barrett, uh, wrote an excellent article just sort of talking about what the networks are doing and why it's forcing people into sourcing content from outside their you know, right. linear broadcast sphere. And he cited Mr. Robot as a great example oh, interesting. for exactly all the stuff that you brought up. It's a great show. It's really buzzy. Lots of people are talking about it. Appointment television has to be watched. Why is whoever has it in Australia, why are they holding it off and not just ramming it down our throats? Yeah, you, you know, you, you want to kind of, you would think, jump on that while the conversation's happening globally, you know, because yes. it's, it's, and you know, it's interesting because like I said, it is on a network that, is unexpected. It's not one of the regular ones that sort of pump out these prestige television shows yeah. or whatever. Um, so I don't know. So, so, and it hasn't picked up for season two. So that's another thing that it's sort of like, well, you know, go ahead guys, take the leap. Oh, yeah. Look, I, I don't endorse or encourage torrenting uh, or watching or VPNing or those sorts of things. But if you want to watch Mr. Robot, that's the only way you're going to get to see it right now. And um this is very not me, but to hell with the networks. This sounds like a one that you need to go and see, dudes. Now, this this was dropped in as a summer show, wasn't it? Yeah, it's one of the – well, that's what I – you know, like I said earlier, summer used to be this time when, you know, these sort of shows that were either sort of not very deep or very whatever, sort of shows yep. that they can't um, – you know, you don't want to launch in the fall. You don't want to launch in sort of the big, the big times. You just throw it on in the summer. It's fine. But now summer has become this time where all these really great – series are launching or are going on. Like, I don't know if y'all have uh, the show Rectify. Um, yes, indeed. Okay. And young. So that, that is, I think, again, one of the greatest shows on television right now. And that's a summer yeah. show. Um, Hannibal has become a summer show. And that, I mean, what can you say? That is one of the greatest shows probably of all time at this point. Um, Big cool. And, <laughs> and you've got, you know, Penny Dreadful just finished up for us here. It's an excellent series. Um, you know, and, and even... HBO is launching all these shows for summer, like True Detective and all these things. And it's it's just there's no stop now to this to the TV season. It's just one rolls into another, rolls into another. So yep. summer isn't even a sneaky time to drop a great show anymore. Like <laughs> I, I think that you know if Mr. Robot had premiered in the fall or any other time, yes. it still would have gotten this degree of attention. I think because it's that good. Um, yeah. There are some shows that are sort of in the middle. Like some of the Showtime series, like Ray Donovan and Masters of Sex, originally premiered in the fall, and they've sort of pulled yes. those back into summer. Um, 
because they're, I, I actually really like Ray Donovan, but I think that yep. the appeal of those two shows is not quite as strong as some of the other series that they launch in the fall. So, you know, that they kind of use summer as a time to help the ratings. The same was true with Hannibal, which they have tried in every possible spot <laughs> all over the <laughs> calendar year, all different days, all different times. And I don't know what's wrong with people, but they're just not watching it. And um, yeah, this is unfortunately, gone. yeah, going to probably be its last season. It's going out with a bang for sure. But yes, um, well, last I heard that the the company was shopping Hannibal around to like Netflix and those sorts of things, and apparently they've all passed on it. Yeah, the, so the major problem was that Amazon actually holds the streaming rights to seasons one and two. So yep. it would seem that Amazon would be the natural home or another season of Hannibal, but they didn't want it. And I don't know why, because they don't really have robust original content. They're building more, but you would think that they would want a show that already had the acclaim and the audience. Um, But apparently not. So that's one reason why Netflix passed is because they don't have the streaming rights to the earlier seasons. Um, And so it's just, it's a big, it's a big mess. And I'm just really upset because I, you know, I write this article for Collider every so often called Save This Show about some show that's sort of on the bubble. You're to blame. Yeah, and it's it's some show that's on the bubble, and I'm, I'm like, you know, please renew it because it's so excellent. And I didn't even write one for Hannibal for a couple of weeks because I was so sure that it was going to get picked up. I was like, certainly I don't have to, like, write a save this show for Hannibal. Like, it's just, I mean, somebody's going to grab it, and I've just been really shocked that, that no one has. I mean, it's a crazy show, but it's just, yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. I don't know. For those that are fans of Rectify, Good News Season 3 is about to start uh, on SBS in Australia. For those that are True Detective fans, you would know already that's happening on Showcase uh, in that uh, Express from the US mode. So a couple of hours after it airs West Coast, we get it in Australia. Penny Dreadful Season 2 has just started in Australia. So not week to week, but pretty close given it's just finished in the US. Um, And Good News, uh, this might be one that I, I might need to somehow buy the DVD and send it to you, Alison. But Aidan Young is about to star uh, in a four-part drama series in Australia called The Principal oh. uh, with another actor called Alex Dimitriades and a whole bunch of others uh, where Alex stars as the principal of a um, an all-boys school in a very multicultural part of Sydney. And a young, uh, I guess you'd call him freshman in, in that high school, is found dead on the Oval. And it just starts to unravel this huge thing. Aiden Young is the policeman investigating. Interesting. And everything points to the principal. It looks to be outrageously good. I will watch any crime drama. I love crime dramas. I love anything that has a central mystery. I never get tired of it. I just, you know, now the only time that this has not been true is with True Detective Season 2. That has not... (laughs) Have you not hung in? Have you given up? No, I'm still watching it, but it's, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. The most recent ep didn't win you back? I'll I'll say I'm interested in half of the show. I'm interested in Rachel Rachel McAdams and her character and Colin Farrell and his character. But anytime Vince Vaughn or Taylor Kitsch are on screen, I just kind of drift away. I just, it's just boring and slow. And I'm just not invested in it in the way that season one, I was crazy for this show. I mean, I don't have time to watch a lot of TV that's even on, you know, one time, certainly never anything twice. I watched every episode of the first season twice, like, you know, as it was airing each week, because I was, I was just involved in it. I mean, (laughs) I loved it. I loved everything about it. And I was excited, but cautious for season two. And I just feel like 
it's doubled down in all of the wrong ways. I think that one of the the best things about season one was that it was the scope was very small. It was like a small mm-hmm. town. You had two leads and one main bad guy. That was the mystery was finding out who he was. And it was very, I mean, even though you had the time jumps and everything, it just felt very, you know, insular. And now in season two, you've got double the cast, double the scope, double the, and just every time they do one of those aerial shots of Los Angeles highways, I just start laughing. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. why are you, you're, you're pushing this and it like, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Like, the link is so tenuous now. It doesn't even make a real sense. So I don't know. I'm watching it because I feel like I kind of have to, but this episode was, I mean, Rachel McAdams is so fantastic in it. And Colin Farrell is so fantastic in it. Yeah. I will keep watching, but um, I was, I, I to me, I, I think surprisingly, Ballers has been the most entertaining of HBO's <laughs> recent block of programming because it's like it's not a great show, but it's it's kind of charming and fun and um, a little silly and you know, so you know th- th- that to me is like kind of a perfect summer show. That's what summer yep. TV used to be here is just kind of like these colorful, breezy, fun series. Um, and I'm happy that we have shows like Rectify and Mr. Robot and stuff. They're running in summer, but I just, I feel like there's no break. It's just like, yeah. you know, I can't complain though. Do you think it's reasonable? Because traditionally the, the summer break for both of our environments, certainly for Australia has been that uh, we, you know, we need to give all of the people that make the TV, they need to have some time off. <laughs> yeah. They need to recharge. Because back in the day, it was live week to week. So people will bust in humps to get stuff done and churn things out and those sorts of things. So we need to let them recharge the batteries and rebuild the creativity. Right. Uh, but given that nothing else takes 12-plus weeks off a year, why? I mean, ratings are still collected during that period because advertisers want to know what's the best thing to put their money in and all those sorts of things. Why should we just let? Why can't we just have fifty-two weeks a year of ratings and people take holidays when they need to take holidays? Yeah, and I think that you know a lot of it's still based on the network system where they're running twenty-two episodes a year, and you know the production starts in the late summer, the new episodes start in the fall here, and then they take a winter break. Um, which that's one thing actually that The Walking Dead has done that no other cable show does is yeah. they actually work on that. Uh, same sort of premise like they premiere in the fall take a break and come back in the spring like that that just doesn't happen on cable and i think that's one reason why you know we're getting tv year-round now is because you have all these cable series that are just running for a limited you know 10 or 12 episodes a season and then they have another you know year-long break but there's so many of them that they're kind of padding it out it's definitely changing i mean I, i think it's good i definitely think it's good um but as someone who reviews tv Sometimes I'm just like, it never stops. Um, Well, the Walking Dead 16 ep split into two groups of eight is, you're right, it's unique, but that's also starting to get on the larger end of of season calls now, isn't it? Because you're right, it's 22 if you're a half-hour comedy is pretty standard. Uh, And if you're an hour-long drama, we're now talking about eight to 10 to 13, depending on who you are and what the idea is. Yeah, and that was one thing that was very different last year about, um, or I guess mid-season, Empire on Fox only ran for about 10 episodes, which is really unusual for a network series. Um, but, you know, a lot of them are still running on that model. And, you know, I'm excited for a lot of the super secure shows that are coming back in the fall. Yep. And But I worry because, you know, a show like The Flash, I adored the first season. But 22 episodes burns through a lot of plot. And so oh, by the time yeah. you get to season two, season three, you start seeing this, you know, 
the burnout really starts to kind of, you know, you're like, well, I mean, how many more plots can we really get through? And the show kind of starts to, you know, the wheels start to come off a little bit. But um, I don't, I would, honestly, I would prefer to see kind of all series reduced to about 12 episodes a season and then just kind of have a year round, maybe three major, uh, three or four major times when they, you know, launch series fall, mid-season, winter, spring, and then summer. Why not? TV yeah. all year Why round. Not? I'm for it. <laughs> And, and but the only thing that we need to get on board then is the change to the syndication rule, almost, isn't it? Because if we're only going to have yeah. ten or thirteen eps a, a season, that's an awful lot of television that has to be made in and of itself before it validates that return on investment for the for the studio, right? And for networks, it's particularly hard because they run original content every night and all day. Yep. I mean, it's like you know. I actually somehow didn't. I managed to not have cable for a really long time, even as a <laughs> even as a reviewer, because I would get sent screeners and stuff. Sure. I can make it work. Um, and so when I finally got cable, it's like I just remember suddenly I realized like they just repeat their you know four or five major series that they have on at the time. You know, just all day every day. I mean, they just run yes. repeats and marathons constantly. And the networks have to produce all of this new content, so for them, it's a very different struggle. And it makes sense for them to invest a lot more in just fewer shows, you know, with more episodes. So, but I mean, it's going to have to change because things are changing so much. And now with all the streaming, uh, you know, Amazon and Netflix and everybody coming out with their original content, it's, yes. it's getting very interesting. So, I don't Where's know. my new season of Transparent, Amazon? I still have to catch up with season one. I've been so bad about that. I know. It's like, there are like a handful of shows that people just gasp when they like, you haven't caught up with this yet. They're like, no. I'm just breathing into a paper bag here for a second. <laughs> it's in the queue. Wow. I've moved it to the top of the queue now. because. Oh, of- <laughs> and fair enough. It needs to be. I mean, for us, it, it was one of the launch titles. for uh, Six months ago, Allison, Netflix was a thing that happened in the U.S., Right. And anyone in Australia that accessed Netflix had a VPN and had signed up and they were living in Beverly Hills as far as Netflix were concerned. Right. Because that's the only postcode anyone in Australia knew. Uh, I remember so hearing. <laughs> oh, I, I remember hearing. I think it might have been just anecdotal, but the concept that, uh, you know, towards the end of last year, there were more people signed up living in Beverly Hills 90210 <laughs> than were actual humans living in. Beverly Hills. That's amazing. So, oh, look, Jason Priestley, Shannon Doherty, you minx. Uh, so there's a lot to be answered. But six months ago, we didn't have any of that. Now we have Netflix legitimately in Australia. The library isn't as big, but it is growing. Okay. Uh, we've got and, – and then two others. One's called Presto and one is called Stan, and they've made deals with – you know, all through studios as well as through the local broadcasters to pick up the second-run digital rights and those sorts of things okay. for for programs. We got Better Call Saul on stand. We got Transparent on stand. Uh, we're getting Unreal on stand. Interesting. Uh, okay. So yeah, it's it's a, a very different dynamic back at home for us. We don't get Amazon Prime. That's interesting. I would really think that 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 Amazon would make that available globally. Like you quickly. would think, right? Yeah, that's that's so strange. I can go on and buy inflatable feet, a negligee, <laughs> and some, you know, some glass blowing implement uh, on Amazon, and it'll deliver to home. But I can't get your television. That sounds like some horrible collection of things that are on like a reality program of like, like that's what. Like, oh, that's they, just wedding presents, right? <laughs> so they just leave in the room, and it's like four strangers <laughs> have to figure out what to do with it or something. 
Oh, it's, it's the latest craze. Haven't you heard? Like, you know, people lock themselves in a room and they're presented with challenges and that's the thing now. You've got to work out the challenge to get out of the room oh, and that's fun oh, for the, an hour. the puzzle rooms. Yeah, yeah, those sorts of things. Now all you're presented with is four gifts and you have to work out what relationship <laughs> they have to each other and how to return them. Perfect, perfect. It's it's a bold new era. So we've talked about some great new summer programming that people hopefully are seeing or may have to wait maybe to see. What's the stuff that stunk this summer? Um, so, oh, that's coming up or that's or that's done? The stuff that is stinking. Well, true detective, I would say, but honestly, it's oh, not. Oh, wow. <laughs> this conversation is over. <laughs> have you watched The Brink on HBO? I have, yes. I'm not a it's fan. It's now airing in pay TV in Australia. I, I, to me, I think The Brink is just, it's just sort of a waste of, the talent that they have on the show. Yep. I think Veep totally. was so much better um, oh. dealing with similar ish issues, but I think the brink was a big failure and I was really surprised that they renewed it because it didn't have, it doesn't have much of an audience either. So it's like, it's not yep. critically acclaimed. There's no audience. It just makes me weep. Honestly, every time for Hannibal, when something <laughs> like this gets renewed, I'm like, why? It has why potential. Allison, you're not seeing um, what this could be. Worst. I haven't been a big fan of, of the third season of masters of sex, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the show I feel like has just gotten too obsessed with its leads to the detriment of all of its supporting characters. Cause they have all these time jumps that just basically now have erased the supporting cast. Oh, um, wow. Really? I, I, and you know, and to me, like you have a character like Bill uh, played by Michael Sheen yes. and he is so insufferable and he <laughs> never changes and he's so unlikable yep. And, you know, Hasn't you, improved. You, you you can get away with that for a little while, um, or seven seasons if you're Mad Men, Don Draper. But, <laughs> um, but he's still handsome. Um, but with Masters of Sex, then you have this other thing too, where you have you know Virginia played by Lizzie Kaplan, who's just like yeah. under his thumb, and still in season three, and they just have these time jumps that don't make any sense for anyone else on the show, and they seem to just exist to create certain conflicts between those two people all of which are always the same. You know, it's Virginia, like, you're not letting me do what I want to do. And he's like, why are you even trying to do what you want to do? I'm the best, greatest, perfect person in the world. It, it just, it's so tiresome. And I don't know. I just, I wasn't in love with the first two seasons, but I thought they had some really great moments. And this season, yeah. I just have not been a fan of. Um, another well, that's good news for Masters of Sex Season 3 fans. It's about to start on SBS as well. Yeah. Uh, prepare yourselves, people. Prepare yourselves. Uh, and, you know, yeah. just the, the first. The heart wants what the heart wants, <laughs> Alison. No one can explain Virginia and Bill or why that even happened. I know. But it, to me, it's like at this point, I just want to see. I don't know what I want to see, but it's it's not. they're not giving me what I want to see. They're showing you pretty much everything. Oh, you mean relationship? Oh, emotionally. <laughs> I understand now. Yeah. The, the nudity aside. It's it's straight, and they they focus a lot more on the kids now, and it's just it's it's odd. I would I'm interested to see sort of what people think about it. I'm always open for dialogue about that sort of thing. Um, you know, for I mean, I wasn't a fan of Fargo the series when it aired here, and I the cheese stood alone on that. Everyone else loved it, and I just so just wash your mouth I, out. <laughs> there are just some shows that. For whatever reason, you know. Um, Season two of Fargo is almost upon us. The the trailers have started. Australia's Angus Sampson is part of the ensemble cast. I'm actually looking- I was amazed by the promo. Nick Offerman's in it. It's going to be great. Season two I'm actually looking forward to a lot more. I do really like the cast, and I think I yep. am a little more interested in the take that they have for season two um, and sort of going back in time to explore that earlier 
um, yes. murder that was on oh, the conversation to. on the porch that has spawned an entire season. Exactly. So that, and like I said, I mean, I do love crime series. It takes a lot to get me kind of not into one. So, um, I'm open to well, it. We've got a good one for you from Australia then. Uh, I'll have to see if we can make this available. It's called Blue Healers. It's about this small country town called Mount Thomas and the police station and the cops that, that are part of the town. And it's a small country town, like not American small country town, Australian small country town. Right. <laughs> and it is the hub of organised crime in the known universe. Every week there was some big something was happening, something, something. But there was a nice sort of moral something at the end and everyone was happy and we all went down the pub for beer and it was great. Wonderful. You know, I have actually been enjoying a show. It's not a crime series. It is from Australia. It's airing on our public television here and it's called A Place to Call Home and it has just started and it's just – it's lovely. <laughs> yeah, well, good news for you. Uh, it did get cancelled but then got picked up. This was a, a very interesting move. Not, this has never happened in Australian television's history. It was on free-to-air television mm-hmm. on Channel 7. The 7 Network made it. They made two seasons. The ratings were appalling. <laughs> so sad. Um, well, because the catch is that it, you would be familiar with the matriarch of the family. She's played by an actress called Noni Hazelhurst. Yeah. Uh, she's basically trying to be um, the Dowager Countess from Downton Abbey. Right, right. Is, is, that's all she's doing, and she's much better than this. Uh, anyway, it got cancelled, and then uh, our pay TV, we only have one cable service in Australia uh, called Foxtel, said we would love that. So they've picked that up, and they're, they're now seven are now making it for Foxtel to Interesting. Air. Okay. So that's huge. And the other thing I want to just put you on while we're talking about that, if you haven't already got onto it on Netflix, Wentworth. Oh, no. Female prison drama. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet, but I've, I've heard good things. It's the reimagining of a, a series from the 70s and 80s called Prisoner Cell Block H uh, that was just inside a women's prison. And it was sort of, you know, a little bit soapy and those kinds of things back then. This is gritty, raw, angry Excellent drama, and everyone in that cast is a star. It is incredible. So get on Wentworth. Done. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like you know, I watch all these like gritty dramas, and, and I and I tend to you know enjoy watching dramas a lot more than comedies. For some reason, I'm just drawn that way. And all these crime shows, yes. whatever. And then I need a show like A Place to Call Home just to like bring <laughs> yeah, me back. That just like it's just it's just so relaxing. You know, it's just like it's just. It's not necessarily a, a you know fantastic series, but it's just it's very calming, you know, and it's just yep. it's it's it has its place. So I'm glad it's it not- gets to reveal the delightful undercurrent of uh, casual racism that bored in Australia <laughs> to to be what it is today. Right, <laughs> wonderful. It's um, delightful. The the thing that other that also gets me is is that we can't do sitcoms very well in Australia. It's been a long time since we've had any luck with that, and America seems to drop them. You know, like a pregnant woman that's had seven kids. She's like, here's another sitcom. Have it, kids. Well, that, yeah, but, I mean, the quantity and the quality are not exactly on the same well, I don't bar. understand how Tim Allen's Last Man Standing is still a thing. That, uh, that yeah, wow. I mean, that's that's the thing. I You know, when it comes to comedies, like, whatever comedies I watch, very few and far between, but I love them. Like, you know, I'm very, mm-hmm. I'm very proud, like, protective of them. Like, but Such as? What have I been watching? I, everything I've been watching lately has been so, like, dramatic and intense. Actually, though, there is a comedy that's really under the radar here. I mean, the ratings are, I mean, I don't know who's watching it besides me and, like, a handful of other people. Just enough by the sounds of it. Just enough. It's called Welcome to Sweden. Um, yes. It stars Greg Poehler, who's the brother of yes. Amy Poehler. 
And it actually is produced internationally and has already aired in Sweden. So NBC doesn't really care. I don't think all that much about the ratings, um, but because it's not in house, but it, it's so it's cute and it's and it's bilingual and it's, it's yep. smart and it's it's beautifully uh, filmed, which is something that is not typical for a lot of comedies. Um, so that's one of the current ones I'm watching. But I'm trying to think of what else, you know. But speaking it's just of, started airing on the Comedy Channel in Australia. Yeah, I think we've only had about two episodes so far. Or they're running them in blocks together, so I guess four episodes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a really cute comedy, and um, uh, I think that's the only comedy I'm watching at the moment. Um, don't say Big Bang Theory. Don't say Big Bang I've Theory. I've never watched Big, Big Bang, Bang Theory. Theory. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I've <sighs> no, that's, that's never gotten into I've, it. I think I've watched about a half of an episode spread across about 13 episodes. And that was enough? For like some total. Oh, look, I can. T- I've, I see it when I'm flipping channels and I hear a gag and the laugh track and go, yeah, that's why I don't watch it. <laughs> yeah, it's they're very few and far between for me. Um, a lot of the ones I like tend to get canceled. I really liked uh, Happy Endings on ABC here. Yep. Uh, and Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23 was a really sneaky good uh, – Here's ABC has this problem with good comedies and with terrible titles. So you had happy endings. You had don't trust the bee mm-hmm. in apartment 23. You had selfie, which was very funny despite no. its name. Keep going. Play <laughs> on. That's the one I'll disagree with. Um, trophy wife, which was, we haven't seen pretty it. Good. Well, you'll probably never will. Cause they canceled. <laughs> oh no, we'll get it in 2017 oh, okay. at the all new time of 1am. Perfect. Perfect. There's that. And then actually even Cougar town, um, you know, an older one. Um, that had since moved to a different station and has been, you know, canceled since then, or I don't know if it canceled or they just decided to end it, but, um, you know, just, they have this long history of really funny shows with terrible titles. They don't know how to promote them and then no one watches them. So they get canceled. That's just look at least, at least the B in apartment 23 had, uh, the, the benefit of bringing James Vanderbeek back to Eskridge. He, I, I had no idea. Just like season one of true detective made me completely mm-hmm. reconsider Matthew McConaughey like yes. in a whole new light. Don't trust the bee was to me, James Aaron to moment. Like he was incredible in that show and not yes. enough people are going to know about it because no one watched That's it. Right. <laughs> now, am I going to say something unpopular by saying that I really liked the first season of episodes? You know, that's another one that I haven't gotten to, but I do tend to really like whatever comedies kind of come on the premium channels here. Um, yep. They are just crafted in a way that's not just, funny, but also just really cinematically really great. Um, but if you recommend episodes, I will take your recommendation on that. I, I, I've only seen half of season two because we haven't got it properly in Australia yet. Uh, and I think season three has just started or been called in America, something like that. Uh, for those that have not seen it, it stars Matt LeBlanc as Matt LeBlanc, uh, <laughs> a, an actor who is very famous and very up himself. And the premise is that this husband and wife writing team created this great sitcom in the UK and as is American Studios way, they sent over uh, the boss or some guy in charge of something to court them to come come and make it in America, remake it in America. So they came over and uh, they made it and it's shit. It's just horrid. But it stars Matt LeBlanc and they had no real choice in his casting. So they've cast people around him and 
it, it's not just the show. It's, of course, all of the behind-the-scenes stuff and the fact that through oh, – sorry, I have seen more of season two, I thought. <laughs> season one, um, the husband and wife, basically their relationship disintegrates. It can't work. At the end of the season, the, the show's gone to crap. It's never going to go anywhere. And then they surprisingly get the tap on the shoulder as they're basically going to the airport to fly home uh, as two different separate humans. We've got season two. So their entire plan has to change. They have to come back, you know, build it again and, and so on and so it's It's really funny for how it plays up the whole studio business and the side of things because it is lots of jokes at the studio's expense, lots of joke at the star's largesse uh, and who he sleeps with this week and all of those kinds of things. And Matt LeBlanc is a jerk and it's really, really – but he knows it. It's just he's, I'm the star, this is what I have to be. It's really good. I wish I could remember the names of the – the two people that play the British husband and wife creative team because they are delightful and so polite and so British <laughs> in the midst of this crazy American system. It's great. You're really selling me on this now. I'm like really interested to, to check this out. Um, yeah. Yeah, dive in. If you watch the first couple of apps, you come away from it and go, you know what, I, I think I'm either in, feet and all, or I'm just, I can't do it. Yeah, I like shows like that where you just, you, you can sort of tell people like, you know, Watch one, two, or three apps, and if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. Like it's very consistent at that point. Like that's really the show. Yeah, um, not all TVs for everybody, right? That's the whole point of this gig, right? I know, and that's you know, it's interesting because I mean, for me, I was looking at I made up a little list before podcast mm-hmm. today. Um, but you know, preparation. That's more than I did. <laughs> I was nervous. I wanted to be prepared. Um, You're and, doing great. Right. Thanks. Thanks. Um, you know, but just a list of some of the best shows that have been on recently and the, the worst ones and some of the ones coming up that might be interesting. And I realized, you know, for me, I really put a lot of value in a show that's really beautifully shot, a really beautifully filmed. Mm-hmm. Like the three that I think have really stood out um, this season, well, four even really, um, yes. Mr. Robot, um, Rectify, um, now I'm forgetting all my, oh, Hannibal and Penny Dreadful. Like these are shows that they are, nothing is similar about them at all. I mean, they could not be more different. And yet the only thing that ties them together is that they are really gorgeously shot. It's like the sort of, the sort of movement to make TV more like film. And for me, that, that will engage me with the show. Even if like, like true detective season two, even though I'm not loving the plot, I do love that it's, you know, it's really stylish and the way that they kind of, you know, craft each episode, I think is really laudable. So, you know, for some people, they don't give a thing about that and that's fine. You know, (laughs) you're being very polite when you don't have to be, I appreciate it. (laughs) Well, but I mean, you know, it's, it's like you said, I mean, there's so much TV and that's like the main thing when I, meet new people and all this. I'm always interested in, you know, what they're watching. And nine times out of 10, the answer is the big bang theory. So I, I hate to tell you that. That's why it's so popular. It's that and CSI. And even people oh. that I would sort of like expect to watch, then they'll be like, well, we watched like this one thing on Netflix, you know? And I was like, yeah, okay. You know, but I mean, I don't know. It's sort of discouraging when you really, cause I, I cover the TV ratings too on a weekly basis. Yes. And it is sort of discouraging to sort of see, where the eyeballs are. Watch. Yeah. So. Oh, look, it, reality television has almost solely killed um, decent drama in Australia as far as it's just getting pushed back and back further into the evening. Uh, when we're used to, we usually time out on the half hour. Uh, so 7.30 is when all of our main shows start and then usually 8.30, usually 9.30. And 
with reality owning that 7.30 hour plus plus, we, we, we aren't getting the drama starting until 8.47, 9.02, 9.17. It's just crazy business and people are going nah, and running off to the streamers to go and watch shows when right. they want, when it suits yeah. them. And uh, the networks are kind of only slowly just catching on to that. Um, I just wanted to pick up very quickly. You mentioned that, you know, the, the, the four big shows for you and the look and how they're all so different right, both yeah. in content and, and those sorts of things. I think the thing that really brings Rectify home for me in a similar way to uh, the first season of True Detective is the way that they portray th- the heat, uh, that kind of sweltering uh, oppression that comes from where both those series are set. It, it just it's, – it's a tangible thing, almost a character as a part of the series, isn't it? Let me say this as a native Southerner of the United yes. States. <laughs> Okay, most television shows depict the South with terrible accents. And I'm sure there are areas of Australia that this is true, too, with television. That You know, there's certain areas that just sort of get relegated with just these terrible accents and this sort of sense of, like, you know that it was made by people who are not from there, right? It's just sort of... We call that American TV. (laughs) And so for... For Rectify and for the first season of True Detective, what I loved was that it was clearly made by people who know the South and get yep. the South in two different, very different ways. Because True yes. Detective, you know, Louisiana is a crazy place, and they were, <laughs> it is just so, different. It is so just it is just different from everywhere. And the way that they encapsulated that feeling of you know, the Louisiana Bayou and sort of this mystery and like you said, the sweltering heat and the sort of like, you know, it's just all these elements coming together in a very natural way and the accents not overpowering things. We weren't getting these like cartoonish twangs and all of this. It, it felt very real. But I think that Rectify takes mm-hmm. that, what well, I mean, because True Detective was a Southern Gothic story, right? It, it, it yes. The ending was just totally off the wall. It had all these crazy elements to it. Rectify is the exact opposite. It's so quiet and it's so authentic yeah. on every level. And it's like, if you have never been to the United States or you have never met people from the South, if you watch Rectify, <laughs> then you know us. Because the way that Ray McKinnon, the creator of that show, crafts his characters and their dialogue and their situations and just everything. It's like, I watch it and I just feel like I know these people. I mean, it's just, it's, I mean, authentic is really the word. It, it, it's just incredible. Um, and it, it's, you know, it's not just about how it portrays the South, but also just every facet of human emotion. You know, you see yeah. Daniel go through so many different things. And then you realize, I think as this third season started, they said something like, you know, oh, well, when you got out like three weeks ago, I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, like what? this series is what? <laughs> third season in like three weeks is fast. No, why? But you just get so enveloped in this world. It's so detailed and it's so slow, but you don't feel like it's slow because there's just such a richness to it. Um, yeah. But you're right. It's like that sense of place is so strong. And that's one thing that I really appreciate about series like that where it's not just New York. It's not just L.A. It's a place that is not – Yes. Just setting for many shows, but they really use that. And it's just so refreshing to see something different. Also, no zombies. No zombies. Although, <laughs> actually, so I don't watch The Walking Dead because that's yes. like I have to draw the line of all the gory, horrible things that I watch on TV. 
It's like the one thing that I'm like, I'm not going to put myself through this. <laughs> but I do respect the fact that it takes place in my home state. I am yep. proud of that. Um, and actually, I say that I'm proud of that, but then people will say things like, oh, isn't it so great? Like they did all that CGI work to make Atlanta like that, you know, look all dilapidated. I'm like, well, some of that was just... <laughs> <laughs> they just went Atlanta. to a different suburb. That's right. Yeah. So, but actually they, um, I remember reading an article not that long ago where they were talking about filming here in the summer and mm-hmm. not only about the heat, but they were saying that, you know, they had mosquitoes and wasps and fire ants and, you know, just basically every plague of sort of Southern horror that you can <laughs> have. And I know the Australians can, um, <laughs> It can sort of, we've got animals. We've got animals that'll eat you that you think are cuddly. So yeah, you know it's fine. Right. I remember I, I sat next to an Australian on a plane once. He said, "Have you ever been?" I said, "No." He said, "Don't go. Everything there will kill you." I said, "Okay. Well, that's not approved by the travel board, but <laughs> <laughs> but I, I have to go to Australia at some point because my middle name is Karens, C A I R N S. So I have to go. Yes. Or cans. You must cans, come, you must come to the place. It. Cans. <laughs> cans. Cans. Sound like Australian. Cans. <laughs> so, yeah. There's no iron. It's just cans. So I have to go. That's, uh, you know, it's family that stuff. That would be great. Alison, before we wrap this up, because we have had an, an amazing chat, and I thank you for your time, for the fall season is coming. There, there's shows being touted and prompted as the next big thing, the saviour of shows, saviour of networks. What should we keep an eye out for? I'm always very cautious about pilot season in the fall because, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it takes a couple of weeks for a show to sort of find its legs. It's very hard based on the marketing to kind of see what may or may not be good. But there are a few things that I'm looking forward to. Um, I'm actually really looking forward to Project Greenlight coming back on HBO. Um, it sort <laughs> yes. of took a hiatus. And the only reason why I'm excited about it is because I watched a show called The Chair that ran on stars here, which is sort of like the project green, like crew sort of went to stars for one season and then came back. Yeah. And I, I don't know. It just, there's something about that. That's like amidst all this other crazy fall pilot stuff, a sort of a very grounded, interesting reality series. So don't forget about that. It's coming back. Um, I'm very excited for the Muppets. Yes. I love the Muppets. And what I saw, I think they ran like a 10 minute uh, preview pitch that they had done for the network to basically, you know, get the show picked up and they released yes. that. And it's very funny. It's kind of, it's a little tired cause it's got the mockumentary style, which everybody does now, but I don't yep. care. It's the Muppets. But they make fun of that too. They in the do, stuff that I've yes. seen, they're self-referentially ripping it apart. The sheer premise that the idea is the Muppets have got back together to make a reality show for Miss Piggy <laughs> is dynamite. <laughs> the Muppets have always been so meta and so I just I love that they're embracing that and just I don't there were a couple moments in that that ten minute clip or whatever that just made me laugh out loud. I think it's going to yeah. be really good. I hope that it's really good. Um, I'm cautiously optimistic about Supergirl on CBS. Yes, same. Um, I am a big fan of the Flash. I like that team that does Flash and the Arrow, but um, I think they they also have like they learned a lot from Arrow when making Flash. So I'm hoping that they've learned a lot from Flash in making Supergirl. But the fact that it's on uh, CBS and not the CW is going to have some bearing on that being maybe not as great as we hope it is. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> CBS is just not known for being sort of um, unique and um, with their programming and not very like uh, uh, 
they don't take chances and sort of make yes. things interesting with their programming because they don't need to. They have a formula Safe. and it works. Safe. So we'll see about that one. Um, I'm looking <laughs> forward to a lot of shows returning. Fresh Off the Boat, Empire, Last Man on Earth, Homeland. That's what I was going to tell you. Empire, right, this huge breakout hit in America mm-hmm. just fell on its face in Australia. It was put on at 9.30 on Sunday night, wasn't really promoted properly, very quickly became an 11 o'clock. Yeah, it's, it's just went nowhere. That's interesting. I wonder why. It's a very American show. Like for so, it's, oh yeah, it's very. It plays upon like every sort of like big American crazy sort of record company idea sort of thing. But I, that's I'm sort of surprised that it it didn't translate. Oh, um, uh, it, it, in part it was the network it aired on the fact that they just gave it no time and it was wedged yeah. into late Sunday night. And that's the thing, you know, that really has a, a lot of bearing on shows. Um, failing or doing well is, is how yes. well they're promoted, which just stinks because a lot of times they're not promoted very well at all. Um, yes. Hannibal. Cough. Cough. <laughs> Sounds like we need to start a Hannibal therapy podcast. I know. We really do. It's it's depressing. Um, but now, I'll, I, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I mentioned to you on Twitter that I saw a promo for, is it NBC's new program, Quantico? ABC, but yes, that was the ABC, next one to bring up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was thoroughly underwhelmed by this promo. Yeah, well, that's the thing. See, ABC, you can't trust them because they don't know how to promote their own shows, and they never have. So you <laughs> you sort wow. of have to like – the thing about it is I think that if it goes with kind of a Homeland vibe, like early yep. early Homeland, um, it could actually be okay. I'm willing There's to give only it so time. much time this girl could be on the run though, surely. I- <laughs> Otherwise, it just gets ludicrous. Oh, she's still on the run. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm cautiously. Is it that she's she's clearing her name though, right? Because she's sort of like. I guess that's I the guess. premise. You know, she it, to give people a background. She is um, at the FBI Academy in Quantico to become a Secret Service agent or whatever it is. I can't remember the American somethings to become official person with gun, right. and then <laughs> uh, a big explosion happens. I assume in DC or in town somewhere. Right. Uh, and she is found basically uh, the only survivor of this thing and pretty not very dirty and stuff, and they basically <laughs> finger her and say, you must be the girl. <laughs> she takes off with a little bit of help, and that's, that's oh, can she clear her name? Is she, Whatever. <laughs> I mean, you're probably right. It's Oh, no, I know. I've been very wrong before. Well, it's one of those that could go either way. Like it's sort of – you're going to have to give it probably at least three episodes to. Oh, that's my rule. Three episodes. Right. That's if you perfect. haven't sucked me in at the end of three, we are done. <laughs> and that's, and I think that's fair because most shows have sort of, you know, the pilot is usually kind of garbage. You can't, it, it's really hard to tell what show is going to be great yeah. from its pilot. Um, dramas are a little better than comedies, but by the third episode, it's sort of calmed down. You know who all the major players are. And if you aren't, like you said, grabbed at that point, there's really no point to it. Um, the other one that I'm looking at that I, I mean, looking at with like a squinty eye and like not so sure about is Blood and Oil, also on ABC, because it's a former Shondaland writer. Um, ah, and yep. they've produced some interesting things. The last uh, former Shondaland writer did uh, How to Get Away with Murder, which is a completely ludicrous show, but it's super entertaining. Oh, so. Totally. And <laughs> you hang your disbelief at the door, people, on that series, and you will love it. Exactly. 
Um, yeah, no, no room for cynics in that show. You just go with it. You just go with the flow. You're like, whatever. This is the most That's right. Some thing. of the kids, something. How does she not know? Why is she? How is that? He could have. But why? <laughs> the thing, the reveal at the end of the first season, oh, just deal with it. Get on with life. Exactly. It's fine. There's there's no room for, for logic in any of these logic that. did escape how to get away with murder. Somewhat ironically, given that it is entirely about the logic of law. So Yeah. But at the same time, I don't know. So Blood and Oil, that's one of those. The cast doesn't thrill me. It's only okay. Um, I don't, I don't, Is it just a new Dallas? That's what I'm thinking. But they've sort of tried to do that a couple times in the last few years. And it hasn't worked. So By bringing back Dallas. They literally brought back Dallas. And that, you know, <laughs> that's sort of where we are with this. Didn't work. So we'll see. Um I, you know, like I said, there, there aren't that many that I'm that excited about. I am really more excited about a lot of the ones that premiered last year. Um, but, you know, ask me again in October and I may have a different take on things. Well, now- we may just do that, Alison. <laughs> just to, to round this out, I'm very much looking forward to The Fear of the Walking Dead. I don't know how we'll get it in Australia, but I'm confident that we will get it pretty quickly when it does start airing. Uh, it is a spin-off to The Walking Dead, but it's set in LA and it's just as the zombie apocalypse starts kicking in. So it's not even, um, uh, you know, what we remember from The Walking Dead and, and you know, how it sort of Rick went to sleep and woke up and stuff was different. This is people <laughs> living through the start of what is actually happening, I reckon. That's got some real legs. And let's face it, LA basically is full of zombies half the time anyway. So <laughs> make your call on that. Is it? You agree, though, that it is like the worst possible title for a show, though? Oh, yeah. Gosh, please. Can <laughs> we not laziest. have come? You could have called it The Walking Dead 2 and it would have sounded better. <laughs> like T-double-O. Just terrible. <laughs> just, I mean, the laziest possible. Just throw a word in front of a title we already have. I mean, just <laughs> it's awful. But it does, you're right. It does have an interesting premise, and, and I'm sort of intrigued at how they're going to look at this new actually reminds me a lot of The Strain, which I don't know if you guys yes. get there, but as far as like the beginning of something, people are sort of sick. You don't really know what the yeah. deal is. You know, are they zombies? Are they vampires in the case of The Strain? Um, are they something else altogether? So I think that'll be interesting, and I think it's going to play with a lot of different elements than The Walking Dead does. Like I said, I don't watch The Walking Dead, but I know everything that happens on the show. It is so the best relationship drama. <laughs> the Walking Dead is the best relationship drama I've ever seen that contains zombies. Well, it's really I will disagree good. and say that uh, In the Flesh is the greatest. I love that show. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Where is season three of that? that? That's in my Mind Palace tier box along with Hannibal, that, the, that there's no season three of that. I mean, it's just Oh, it's got to appear. So good. After the end of season two where we just got all these gr- – oh. In the flesh, guys, that appeared on uh, ABC, I think, or SBS, and, and it was just delightful zombie reality television. Um, <laughs> just sighing over that. like, oh, shows we've lost. Yeah, you people, get over it. If you haven't seen Glitch, I'm going to enforce it upon you, Australia. Go and see Glitch, ABC, iView. Alison, I will fill you in on this later and, and possibly work out a way to make it available to you. It's only six episodes, incredible new Supernatural-esque uh, drama oh. set in country Australia again, but I, I reckon you'll really dig it. If you're if you're liking a place to call home, this is that, and then a whole lot more. Excellent. Mulks TV Talk, the podcast. Alison, thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me. This has been delightful. 
No, the pleasure is all ours because we've got to hear your thoughts, your ideas, and your lovely southern twang. That has been uh, all y'all is doing everything that I need right now. How can people find you online to follow you, read your work, all of those things? You can find me at collider.com slash TV. And on Twitter, I am Keen TV. That's K-E-E-N-E-TV. That's right. TV is spelt the same in America as Australia. Yes. <laughs> You know, that actually took me a minute. It's like the end of my work day right now, and I was just like, uh, yes. I would not be on the spelling show. Oh, no, same. I can barely spell my own name. (laughs) So, yeah, it's a pretty clear cut case of what happens here. Well, Alison, thank you for joining us, and thank you, everyone else, for joining us this week on Mulks TV Talk, the podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Mulks TV Talk and find me on Facebook and Instagram at thosethings.com slash Mulks TV Talk. New episodes are out Tuesdays. This one's a little late. So make sure you subscribe via iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. And please do leave a sweet review. Tune in next week when you'll hear Alison Keane say... What am I saying? <laughs> whatever you want. <laughs> She's frozen. I know. I'm, what am I, I'm, I'm, I'm lost. You could say your favorite TV catchphrase. You could say some kind of southern farewell. Oh, you gosh. could say Steve. Oh, there's so much stop pressure. Um, yes, it's meant to be. <laughs> I would have loved to prepare for this, but I would probably have something a lot smarter than anything I'm going to come up with right now. Um, you know what? I'm going to quote Hannibal for this and say, "Bonsoir." Good night. <laughs> it's night here. <laughs> <laughs>